joyfully and sacrificially devoted to one another. Putting the needs of that person before yourself, modelling Christ in your relationship. And so we think that's probably the secret. Anyway, back to, back to um, Acts 2. Um, and before we read Acts 2 again, this series we're in, I just want to challenge us with something. I really do think this is a sign of a situation in our generation and the previous generation, the generations that are kind of together now that really has started to sort of cause some challenges in our society. So if you can click again for me, Gareth. Um, it's all about this idea of shortcuts, hacks, finding your way around things, 10 ways to do things, how to learn piano in 10 minutes, that one there, how to fake being awesome at the piano, that kind of hacking way of getting around things because we're all so time poor, we're rushed, we, we don't want to really put the effort in but we'd love to be able to do these things and so they're kind of fun in a way but, but they kind of cause us to become like dabblers, people who just play around with so many different things, just dabble a bit here, dabble a bit there and then I suddenly can play Let It Be on the piano and look at me, I'm a pianist, no you're not, you're a person playing chords on a piano that does not make you a pianist it's DIY photography hacks makeup hacks they're endless there's they're fun but there's a danger here there's a danger if this leaks into our culture which is everything's just at a very thin level just knowing a little bit enough to get by and then someone says oh look at you you're amazing you think yeah don't ask me to play anything else this is all I know let it be what well, songs are in that chord structure it removes the complexity, it removes the depth, it removes the joy and the expression that comes from something like this. You know, as was said, you ran a photography course, and when you go to a photography course, you think, I could shoot good things on my phone before, but man alive, this is complicated to do really well. To be a true photographer, to photograph anything, I mean, we, we get fooled by our phones, another hack, you know, oh look, it's got this thing, it's this pro mode, look, oh, it's, it looks so amazing. Yes, it does, but you... You don't know much about photography yet. You're not a photographer, you're just someone using a phone to take a photograph. I don't want to go too far into this, but if you can click again for me, Gareth. This is my absolute favourite film. I decided recently, we were asked on holiday, what's your favourite film? And I used to be The Matrix, but I think Whiplash has just jumped to the top. Now, past a warning, the language in it is foul. But it's kind of in character for the characters. It's a story about a drummer and his, uh, the, a guy called uh, Andy Neumann, I think, Neiman, and his teacher, Terence Fletcher, his kind of mentor, his band leader. And the actual story is not really about drumming. It's about the tension between two people about is it right to push someone to breaking points and make them great? That's the side. It's a brilliant film for that. But the film begins with this guy, just, this, this drummer, just sat in a room playing very basic things over and over again. These are called the rudiments. Drummers learn these things called rudiments. They're patterns of drumming that on their own sound very boring. They're just... Da, 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 lots of things like this. But actually, a drummer knows when he combines that with his knowledge of tempo that he has to learn, his knowledge of time signatures that he has to learn... I'm a drummer. I'm going to plug drummers, all right? Guitarists are amazing too, John. Um, but dynamics, tempo, time signature, rudiments, put them together... And it's a system. It's a system. It's a, a group of things combined together that make you a drummer. Otherwise, you're someone hitting drums. And the tragedy of drums is everyone can hit them. Look at me, I'm a drummer. You're so not. Because it takes these systems. You can hack your way into playing Billie Jean. It's the easiest thing in the world to play. And everyone goes, oh, look, you play Michael Jackson. That's it. That's Billie Jean. 
But to be a fully rounded musician, you need to learn these fundamentals and combine them together because they're a system. They're a system of things coming together that makes something wonderful, powerful, enjoyable. So when we look at, look at Acts 2 again, this picture of the early church, what I see, maybe it's because I'm a process guy, I see like a system. I see a group of things coming together that make this church wonderful, functioning, amazing. And there are four things I see there working together that underpin what it means to be like a fully functioning church, like a church that really can enjoy everything that's on offer. And because of that, they are the things that contribute to us to being fully functioning Christians too. Not hackers. Not hacking at this. Trying to find a way around it, trying to grab a piece of it and not another bit and think I've somehow fudged the hack, I'll hack that bit and I'll take that bit and try to put something together. So we're going to read it again and I want you to look at it with us again. And this is what one preacher, a guy I really like, referred to as the beautiful system. So when you look at Acts, you see, a, and I know it says a very clinical term, but don't be put off by that. This beautiful system of like things coming together that combine and inform one another to create this amazing church experience that they were having, this new church. So if you're not aware, Acts 2 is the sort of birth of the church as we know it. Um, and it's, uh, I'll read it out to you, so if we can click on for me, Gareth. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were there, were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So you see these, this, look, you see them there. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread and the prayers. If you notice our little logo there has got those four things picked out. This is the beautiful system that I see and I want to share with you. And you bring those things together. Together. They have to, you can't just do one, hack at another. You put those things together in a body of believers, a church like this, and look what happens. Signs and wonders. Extravagant generosity and charity. Gladness and praise. Favour. Favour of other people. Looking out now, as Aaron said last week, the church had lots of people that were going to have a go at it. But when they looked, they looked at that and looked. There's something about that. They had favour amongst the people, but also God added people to their number. So if you can click on again, Gareth, for me, each of these together, those ones highlighted there, those are what I say are part of this beautiful system, a system where these practices all work together with one another. Like the drummer's rudiments, his time signatures, his tempo, his dynamics. One informs the other. Devotion to the word will teach you about fellowship, sacrifice, unity, the trinity. In fellowship, we're informed to pray for one another through sharing of life. Breaking of bread together is intimacy, participation in Christ and with one another, as was said as we took bread today. But let's just pause for a minute and ask ourselves the tough question. Are we hacking at this stuff? Are we hacking at it? Or some of it? Do we commit to certain parts of it and hack at other bits of it? Because that's a challenge I feel for me personally. 
I sometimes hack at this stuff. I do a little bit, enough to make it look like I'm doing it, but I'm not really getting deep enough in. Therefore, through no condemnation, don't let me condemn anyone. I'm not getting enough out of this because I'm not putting enough effort in to really dig deep in and enjoy these things. We sometimes, and I sometimes try and pull things off with minimal effort, often because I'm so rushed, so rushed, got so many things on. Okay, I'll just give that a few minutes here and there. I'm doing praying, but I'm not really praying. I'm kind of just doing some praying hacks. It's not full, it's not joyful, it's shallow, it's repetitive if we're not careful. And then church becomes like that. Shallow, repetitive, it's not really joyful, it's just a duty, something I'm trying to do. Fellowship on a Sunday, a brief moment over coffee. We said this at Letton Hall, it was so different to be, have time together. Sunday, one minute you might catch me, and we're not in fellowship, guys. If you're me, I'm just saying, how are you doing? Good, how's the job? How's the wife? How's the kids? Good, bye, off to the next person. That isn't, we're not doing life together, we're just chatting, and that's lovely. Do it, let's do it. But it's this is a preach that says we could be missing out, really could be missing out. So, why don't we embrace this stuff? And enjoy this beautiful system. So, if you can click on Gareth. The breaking of bread. Well, I'm going I'm to go down deeper. Aaron, you know, did the full gamut last week. I thought, what am I going to preach on now? Um, but actually thinking, no, no, I'm going to go deeper on a couple of these. Because he covered them really well. But I'm going to go deeper on breaking of bread and prayer. Because um, he particularly went in on fellowship as well. So you've got that one. But... And they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So what do we think breaking of bread meant? What, honestly, what, shout it out. What do you think it meant? Was it communion? Was it something else? Sorry? Unity? What does it mean to you when you think of breaking of bread? Having a meal together. Family, community, so not just a practice, not just a functional thing, but something far deeper than it was. Well, guess what? Google it. Massive controversy about what that actually meant, this actually means in the scripture. Like endless debates about what it is. What are they doing? I mean, oh, Google, what a pain. Whenever you're trying to preach, by the way, you may notice that I come up and say, this is controversial. It seems like everything is controversial. There's much debate now about what was going on here. I sometimes get bored of that, but, but someone says, blessed is the one who meditates on his word day and night. So sometimes it's worth pushing in to say, do I understand what I really believe it means? Let me unpack what I think, because I don't know where I got my beliefs from sometimes. This is good theology, by the way. Unpack it, rebuild it based on scripture, based on study. So we may think it's Holy Communion, kind of what we did today, if that's a, a term you know, Eucharist, if you come from another background, Lord's Supper. But there's an argue that, that is not, that's not what's going on here. There's some that argue that. Now we could say, well, I, dis I disagree, but I think we should always explore. What are, what are they saying then? What are they arguing against that? Because Jesus did not invent the breaking of bread. It wasn't the first time anyone broke bread when he thought, hang on, I've got an idea. This might catch on. I'll break some bread, I'll say, no, that wasn't, it was already something established in Jewish tradition. The breaking of bread was more than that. 
He knew that. It was a custom of solemn thanksgiving before a meal, a solemn moment of thank you, God, for your love and your provision. Break. That was what Jesus knew. That's what Jesus was looking at, if you can click on Gareth. It's a, a Jewish writer said this was a moment, a religious significance of joint fellowship in sharing and enjoying the blessing of God. This is not about Holy Communion that we know. This is a Jew saying this is what we believe that to be in our culture going back many years before Jesus did it. The practice of sitting, um, this practice would sit outside of what we did today. It was already in existence. You can see it there. There's examples of Jesus doing it. In the feeding of the 5,000, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute them to the people. Mark 8, 6, the feeding of the 4,000. When Jesus, when he, Jesus, had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. The resurrected Jesus, when he was at the table with them, took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. The head of the household would break bread amongst people. He would break it once, and then it would be broken again and again and again to distribute, evenly amongst the people. Another signal of what Jesus knew he was doing when he did it. It was a powerful sign of communion. Now, we've taken the term communion and given it a specific meaning, which is fantastic, but the word communion has a far broader definition than that. Again, if you can click on Gareth i be saying that a lot now. This was a deep, intimate moment of spiritual connection, a sharing. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says that communion means intimate fellowship, the act and in, or an instance of sharing. Cambridge Dictionary says this is a, communion means a close relationship, a moment in which feelings and thoughts are exchanged. The Latin word for, for communion is, is about, really translates best to participation. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that when he was doing this, what it meant to break bread. He called us into an intimacy of fellowship with him, to participate in him, but also his blood, his body. He calls us in to participate in what that means. We put aside our differences. We come together. We share this special unity, the same bread, the same cup together. So you may wonder, well, which one is it then? Which one are you siding for, Andy? Was the breaking of bread that one before the meal or the thing we did today, the Holy, uh, the Holy Communion, Lord's Supper, Eucharist? Well, I thought it was the former. I thought it was like breaking bread before a meal, like a moment of just, you know, this is just breaking bread and we're sharing and that's what we'll do. But let's look again at Acts 2.42. Click for me, Gareth. I want you to notice the four practices the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayers. They're preceded with the from the Greek. In English grammar, we call this like the definite article. This means these were specific, intentional moments, not doing things generally, specific, intentional moments. So I now agree with those who say that practice was and it was Holy Communion. That was them breaking bread, the breaking of bread was a moment they said, we're going to break bread. And I believe that is actually them doing what we did today. And the important thing is that they were devoted to it. They devoted themselves to this. They did it regularly. We need to get back to being devoted to it. We've left it aside for way too long. 
And if that's what I believe, and if you disagree with me, chat over coffee, you'll have one minute. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But, but if that's one of those four fundamentals, then we have stopped doing it and we need to get back to doing it. And do it in a way that's deeply reflective. Not, was the word perfunctory you once used to describe how we did it once? Like just, it's a thing. And it can become very routine and very dry. We, need to, we don't need to sort of spend ages on it. We just need to be able to say, we understand what this means. It is a participation in Christ, a participation and a fellowship in that moment. But I want to be clear, click on for me Gareth as well. If you look at 46, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, no the, no the, just breaking bread in their homes. I think this is a, the moment of having meals together of breaking bread, of in fellowship. They may have also added communion into that like we understand it. But this is all about coming together as well. This is a reminder. That there is, for me, is saying they broke bread together. They had meals together. Those other definitions of community, communion were in play as well at the same time. Linked to a practice already in their culture, it was about intimacy, sharing, togetherness as part of meals. Can click for me, Gareth. As one commentator put it, eating together is a mark of unity, solidarity, and deep friendship, a visible sign that social barriers which once plagued these people have broken down. The sharing of meals at times of intimacy, fellowship, getting to know how people are really doing. I don't know if you've ever thought of it. If I, in fact, we've got a couple of people coming out for lunch today, um, Lee and Ray. If we sat down and said, so, anyway, let's eat and just didn't speak it would be odd meals are a time of sharing of, of updating be able to discuss things share things together you're together at one table so let's get real again ask the question how are we doing at this being together sharing meals together taking holy communion together we know we've let it lapse in this church that's the second time in I don't know how long Letton Hall was the other time we're bringing it back Hallelujah. But how are we doing it the other one? The breaking of bread together for meals. Because this is key to the essence of what church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be together. Another preacher I, I like, a guy called Skip Heitzig, who's he's sometimes good, sometimes he waffles on for hours, but um, he really wanted to say that all and together, all and together, all and together, all and together. The whole of this in Acts uh, 242 all and together they were all they were together they were all they were together and then he said something that's going to make most British people cringe like get ready to cringe guys just I know you're going to do it I won't even look at you he said this line everything about the church in Acts 2 fights a culture of privacy <laughs> oh no I'm British I do private I do alone I do me but this is what's on offer. This is the beautiful system. It's about being together. Everything about the church shown in Acts 2 fights our culture of privacy. And that's, that's a fight. I need some me time. I need some downtime. Okay, you may need that. But don't sacrifice this. Equally, others have argued. Another preacher I like, he said, look, just whenever I say these, I say the apostles teaching together, the fellowship together, the breaking of bread together, the prayers together. So to summarize on breaking of bread, it was both holy communion in church together, like we just like we did today. 
I believe that was also talking about what will go on in the temples. Practically speaking, you've got a church that just grew by 3,000. You've not got time to get it into home groups yet. There would have been church together, just like we did today, having communion together. But also in homes, moments of intimacy, both. But key was they were doing this together. So, if you can click on Gareth, I can be a bit quicker on my last point. I want to make sure we've got time for something at the end. I hope I'm going to get there. We're running a bit behind today, but what a packed schedule we had. Um, The prayers. Now, you know, I just said the, okay? So you probably know what I'm going to say. More seat squirming. The prayers. This is not that they just prayed, but bless be 100% clear. Oh, my word, they prayed, okay? All over scripture. Pray at every circumstance. Pray in all circumstances. Pray for everyone. Never cease. Keep praying. Pray, pray, pray. They prayed, but this, I want to advocate, is the prayers. It's important the definite article is back. This is a moment, intentional, together we are going to pray. They therefore attended the prayer meetings. They attended the prayer meetings because they wanted to pray together because it was part of what it is to be in this beautiful system. Intentional. Eyes would be, and again, the system is working together. Eyes drawn to God through the apostolic teaching. As As they hear from the Bible, they're looking to God. They're going to pray about God. Praised be to God. They're going to think about Jesus because communion will bring that out. They are going to understand what it means to be a servant of Jesus. But through those fellowship moments as well, they're going to be able to pray for each other. Because in fellowship, now you tell me what's going on. You're not telling me in one minute of that coffee what's really happening in your life. If you are, you're a genius because you can be very succinct. But the chances are you'll use the standard English four-letter word that we all use. Not going to swear, just to check. I'm fine. You're not fine. I'm not fine, by the way, right now. I've got a lot on my mind. I've got to think about the fact that we had an astronomical electricity bill last year. I have no idea. We could run a small town on the electricity bill of our house. There are things in my life that are bothering me. I'm not fine. But if you ask me over coffee, I'm fine. Because it's not time. But if you ask me over a meal at home, I'll tell you. I'm worried about us. I'm worried about you guys. There's a lot on my mind right now. And I'm a contractor. I work for a paid rate. I get no pay increases. And no one's giving me any more money. They're all flat rate. No, we can't afford it. But my cost of living is like shooting up. I'm not fine. But ask me there, I'll tell you I am. Because I don't have time. That intimacy brings all that stuff out. That's critical to understanding what it means to truly become a church that pray, that pray in moments of dedicated time, but also do it in community together. The other thing, though, is it was regular. Prayer is devoted to. Now, there's massive conversations, and it doesn't really matter. Did they go every day, or is this that every day some of them were in the churches, some of them were together? I think probably the latter. But the point is that they would every day, some of them were in praying and doing prayers. Some of them were receiving teaching. Some of them were in their small groups. Every day, something was going on within this group. But the point is, all of this stuff was regular. Aaron used the word, it's not, if you click on for me, Gareth, proscatario. Proscatario. Is that better, Marion? Yeah. Um, this is continue, it's a point of it's a continually devoting themselves, continuous in nature, doing something regularly, but also doing something in a devoted, diligent, dedicated way. And this is a slight detour from, from perhaps what was brought out last week. It's this point about praying relentlessly. 
praying relentlessly, repeatedly, over and over again through periods of time when nothing seems to be changing, to continually pray into situations, to be consistent. In fact, when you look at the Old Testament prayers, they were praying for years. We look at those quotes and we stick them on coffee cups. We think it's amazing. God says, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you. That took 30 years to become a reality. They would have prayed for that for years and years and years, believing in God's promises, but praying and praying and praying. Praying for freedom, years and years. That devotion, is a, to me, is about not giving up, despite no sign of quick returns. That's one of the other problems we have. We're just a society of instancy. If I go and pray on a Tuesday and nothing happens on Wednesday, I'm not bothering with that Tuesday thing again. It didn't work. Put it back into the beautiful system. Maintaining this devotion is all about not doing it alone. Trying to pray for something on your own for years is nearly impossible. But bringing brothers and sisters into those prayers... Will you lift me up? Will you pray with me about this, my situation, this person? Can you pray for them as well? Because I can't do it alone. I run out of energy. I find it so hard. Prayer that is powerful and sustainable has the Holy Spirit's power in amongst it. Of course, it's about the steadfastness in there. But also it is accompanied by prayers with others. We're in it. I, I mean, I could be just talking to me and you just say, Andy, you're just, a, you're just a mess, frankly, which is fair enough. But we tire easily. Everyone says I'm a machine. I tire, believe it or not. I do keep going, but I'm, I get really tired mentally. I can't think of anything else. I get really easily distracted. We're in a world of distraction and ridiculous time poverty. I spoke to Tim Roberts, some of you know who he is. The other day we were just chatting on the phone. We were both in our cars just driving somewhere. We were chatting. He said, so how are things back at church? He goes, they're good. But he said, you know what? The, worst, the, the thing I'm dealing with most is everyone's come back from holiday exhausted. What happened two years ago when we all said we would slow down? He said, you know, because we've just gone back to and now we seem to be going even faster and we're more, frank, more anxious than we were before because the world's been in chaos for all that time. The other thing about praying, getting others to pray, is that you might well be the person in the middle of the storm. It's very hard to pray when you're the one in the middle of that storm. But ask others to pray, that's different. When we can't pray and the enemy is beating it out of us, others can pray. Praying alone long term is so hard and nothing in Acts 2, 42 to 47 supports praying alone. You can pray alone. Jesus did it, so pretty good for me. But the point is, he didn't just do that. Praying alone is one thing. Praying collectively is what the church needs to do. Uh, if you can click on Gareth. One, one preacher had this image, and I thought it was really powerful. Someone actually gave it to him, and he said, you know what, this idea of, he said, someone said to me, we are like, a, the church is like a collection of hot coals. Collective firepower together. The Holy Spirit fire in each of us coming together. Together we keep the fire alive. Take a coal out of the fire and put it to one side. What happens? It's a strange thing of physics, right? It just goes cold. Put it back in the fire again, it reignites because the others heat it up. Now it's contributing again. It's a good way to think about it. I step outside of fellowship. I don't bring people into this situation. I just stand here alone. I go cold. I step back into fellowship. I bring other people into this prayer situation. The fire starts to burn again collectively 
and in me too. And then for I can contribute. I think that's a beautiful analogy. Prayer in scripture is persistent. It is collective and there is togetherness all over it. Like I said, praying alone is okay, but it's not the sole way to pray. I'm going to say, I put this in grey because I wasn't sure I'm going to, I was going to say it, but I am. <laughs> I'll take the heat later. To claim to not need to do it. I don't need to do that. I'm okay with this, not, not coming together in groups to pray. That's denying scripture. That's denying scripture. That's saying, I know better than the word of God. Again, that preacher I spoke about said, to fail to participate in the life of the local church is to disobey a direct command of scripture. We are being told, be in community. Share life together. Not in a condemnatory way, because God wants the best for you. He wants the best for us. And this is how he's shown us how to do it in this beautiful system.